Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Rewind. Let's watch that again with Rochelle and Zach. We are going to be talking about movies between 1990 and 2010 that really helped mold us as we grew up in the 90s. This week, we are taking a look at one of my favorite Julia Roberts movies, and I have quite a few, I must say, but this one is titled Notting Hill. I found a really interesting nugget about Hugh Grant that there was something that he had complained about in regards to Julia Roberts. Stay tuned. Notting Hill came out in 1999. It was directed by Roger Mitchell and written by Richard Curtis. You won't really know any of Roger's movies, but you will know Richard's. He wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually, Mamma Mia, the movie, not the uh, play, and About Time. The movie begins in Notting Hill, of course, which is in London, England. William Thacker, played by Hugh Grant, is narrating to us about his life. He is a lonely, divorced man that has a house with a blue door that he shares with his flatmate, Spike, who is a very eccentric person. He leaves to go to his shop, which sells travel books. After discussing with Martin, his assistant, about their negative and low income, Martin decides to go get a cup of cappuccino to cheer himself up. Just as he is leaving, a woman comes into the shop to look around. After a few moments, Will realizes who the woman is, the famous American actress Anna Scott, played by Julia Roberts. He attempts to make small talk with her by suggesting a book, or not really suggesting a book, but trying to tell her it's not good, but it doesn't go well, and is interrupted with someone that is trying to shoplift. After purchasing a book, she leaves the store. Will is in shock of what just happened. Later, he decides to go get an orange juice, and by complete accident and surprise, he runs into Anna again and unfortunately spills the orange juice all over her top. He offers to take her to his house, which is close by, so she can change clothes. She agrees to this, thanks him once she's done, and leaves shortly afterwards. But not long after, she returns, saying she forgot her bag, so he lets her back in. And then suddenly, and unexpectedly, she kisses him. Spike comes in after they were done, oblivious to her and who she is. Anna asks Will to please not tell his flatmate about her. He felt so enamored with her, especially after seeing one of her movies. He couldn't stop thinking about her. A few days later, when Will got home, he asks Spike if there's any messages for him. He got one from his mom, but no one else except some random one from an American girl named Anna, asking him to call her at the Ritz. Will was shocked and immediately tried to call her. He's told no one by that name is there, and Spike says she gave a weird different name to use. After having some difficulty getting Spike to remember it, he was finally able to get connected to her room. He asks her if she would like to get some tea, but she invites him to come over instead to her hotel room. He excitedly goes to the hotel, but to his dismay, he gets mistaken for a reporter coming to interview the stars of the movie Anna is currently starring in. After doing a terrible job of interviewing everyone, he gets to see Anna and she asks him on a date. To his dismay, he remembers it's his sister's birthday and he was going to dinner for that. Anna nicely offers to go with him as his date. 
when they arrive at to his friend's house, it doesn't take them very long to realize who she is. They have a good spirited dinner together, enjoying one another's company. As Will and Anna walk back to her hotel, they come upon a gated in park and decide to sneak into it. Once in there, Anna passionately kisses him again. After that, they go on a few more dates. Anna invites Will up to her hotel room, but to Will's dismay and shock, he finds that Anna's famous American actor boyfriend had flown in that he had no idea existed. Will leaves heartbroken. After a couple of months, someone rings Will's doorbell and it's Anna. She's very upset because some dirty photos were taken of her uh, before she got famous and they had leaked and splashed all over the media. Will happily offers to let her use his place as a hideout until things have cooled down. They have a great day together, enjoying each other's company, falling even more in love. Later that evening, we see some hanky-panky taking place. The next morning, while enjoying breakfast in bed, the doorbell rings again. Will goes to answer it, and he's only in a shirt and boxers because of the night before his activities. And the moment he opens it up, paparazzi's outside flashing photos of him. He quickly shuts the door. And Anna thinks that he has a surprise for her, so she opens the door wearing only his button-down shirt. She quickly shuts the door, but unfortunately the paparazzi already got some pictures. She is very upset and believes he told someone, even though he's trying to explain it wasn't him, that he told nobody. She leaves upset and Will's heartbroken because he knows he'll never see her again. He lost her. Six months later, one of his friends shares that he saw in the paper that she's filming a movie close by. The next day, he goes to the set in hopes of seeing her, and he does. She tells him that there's a lot to talk about and that he should stick around to watch. While listening through the headphones for the movie's dialogue, Will hears Anna's co-star ask about him, and she said he's just a guy from the past, she doesn't know why he's there, and it's kind of awkward. Will is hurt, and he leaves. A few days later, she shows up in his bookshop with a gift. He admits to her that he had heard what she was talking about with her co-star, but she explains that she wasn't going to just tell her personal life with that co-star. She then confesses her love to him, saying that she may be an actress, but she's also a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. He was so stunned and didn't know how to react, so she said goodbye and left. He opens the gift to find it's the original painting of a poster that he has in his house. While talking things over with his friends, they help him realize he made a huge mistake and hurriedly leave to try to catch her before she flies back to America. He finds out she's holding a press conference at a hotel and manages to get into it. She's answering many questions, including how long she plans on being there, to a question about William. When the PR agent says one last question, Will luckily is the one who's chosen to ask it. He asks if the guy she was caught with realized that he had made a mistake, would she reconsider? She answers, I believe I would, yes, and has the reporter ask again how long she plans on staying, and her answer changes to indefinitely. Everyone starts realizing who Will is because they can't stop smiling at each other. The movie ends with them getting married and then Anna being pregnant. Okay, to start this off, I want to share a fun fact about the house that Will lives in in this movie. It is a real residence, and it belonged to the screenwriter Richard Curtis at the time of making this movie. One thing we all remember about this house is that it has a very blue door and it actually was blue before the movie. So they didn't just do it for the movie. I have seen many different things online saying what happened to it after the movie, ranging from being auctioned off for charity to it being changed to a black door to someone spray painting next to it saying, 
rest in peace blue door or this is a Hollywood door to the home's new owners being so annoyed by the many fans that visited it that they painted it black and then later on painted it back to blue. One for sure fact I found is that it is blue today and can be visited at 280 Westbourne Park Road, Notting Hill. Um, speaking of the house itself, I thought it very interesting as we watched the movie, and I know that I talked about it because I think this is my first time watching the movie whenever we watched it because this, this is not a movie that I grew up watching. Uh, but the house is so skinny. Mm-hmm. Like what you can see that's blue is the entire width of the house. So you see them walking into the house, it goes into an entranceway, and then the next room over is a dining area, which then leads upstairs. So basically, it's I don't know. I've never lived in, in a city to where, you know, your neighbors are touching your apartment on each side or your house on each side. Yeah, it's an interesting you, thing to have. Yeah, and you have to build straight up. Mm-hmm. And it had to have been probably at least three stories, I would assume, right. because in order to have bedrooms and bathrooms, the bathroom was on that second landing, which... The stairs, you know, you just go straight up and then turn right around and come back up. Just, just so many levels to it, which makes, yeah, it's very interesting for sure. And did you look up on Google uh, Street View if you could find that house? The, I think I'm going to do that after this because yeah. that would be cool to actually do that. Yeah, that actually, that's actually a really good idea. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Well, because I have all the ideas. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. It was never really said by Richard Curtis on who inspired the characters Anna Scott and William Thacker, but not long ago, Hugh Grant revealed that Curtis shared in a drunken moment who inspired him. A friend of his that is just an ordinary person was in Harrods, which is a department store in London, and met a very famous woman and took her back to his house. This was the basis of the script. He was so scared about people finding out who this famous person was, he didn't want to tell anyone. That woman was apparently a then 24-year-old Uma Thurman, and the guy was London publisher William Seagert. Uma was just divorced from Gary Oldman, and the unlikely pair had a brief romance. Richard Curtis did share with E! News how he dreamed up some of the key elements of the story. I'd sometimes think of what it would be like if I turned up at my friend's house where I used to have dinner once a week and I was with the most famous person in the world at that time, which would be like Madonna or Princess Diana or Kylie Minogue. Yeah, I could not imagine going into any of my friend's houses and then all of a sudden there's a really famous person that happens to be there. And what's so funny is in the movie, one of the friends... it did not dawn on him. <laughs> the the uh, stockbroker? Yeah, Bernie. He had no idea it was her, and he was asking her about her job and saying, oh, acting, you don't get paid yeah, much for that. And That's kind of a tough gig, isn't it? It is. It is. And something I had read, so whenever he asked, he's like, how much did you make in your last film? And she said $15 million. She kept changing what she had made every time they filmed that scene, and it actually, she ended up sharing what she made for that movie. What she made for this movie? Yeah. Not mm-hmm. a yell. She mm-hmm. made $15 million? Mm-hmm. Huh, all the day's work. Right? Julia Roberts went a little bananas while filming. Literally. She liked throwing fruit at Hugh Grant during takes or before takes just to throw him off. Julia confessed that she threw a lot of fruit at Hugh to the point where it became a fruitless environment. Oh, <laughs> oh, 
It sounds like something I would do to you. <laughs> Why would you do? Was she was she married? Is she married? She's been. You think she's flirting with him? N- no, I don't think so. I think she's just trying to have fun and trying to get him to loosen up some. I'm think I'm guessing uh. because he was nervous. Really acting with her, yeah, because she's she was a, at the height of her acting career. I mean, she's still a very famous person, of course, but she really was at a famous point in her life and he had not been in as big of movies like his breakout role was four weddings and a funeral which was written as we shared earlier by richard curtis i liked um i like this movie for the fact that you know it was very the humor was like sarcastic Mm -hmm. almost like entirely it was so sarcastic and it made me start thinking is that the way a lot of British British comedies are? It seems like it because whenever we even watched um, that Ricky Gervais TV show, what, oh yeah, very um, sarcastic what humor. Was that? What was that? Where his wife had passed away? Not dead to me. No, very dry humor, very sarcastic. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's, Ricky Gervais is he's kind of like that. So I th- I thought maybe it was just him. But maybe it was, maybe it's a lot of British comedy. Maybe it's just oh so off the off the cuff like sarcasm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that though. I thought it was hilarious. I like that type of humor. This movie was a breakthrough role for Reese Ivins. Apparently, he did method acting for the character of Spike, who looks very unclean and unkempt. Shepherdston Studio, where they did the filming, was far from London, and he didn't want to do the journey every day, so he set up a tent in a campsite nearby. He bathed occasionally when he remembered to do it, and it didn't help that the shoes that the costume department found him to wear had a horrible smell, and he said it brought tears to one's eyes. By the end of the day, the rest of the cast insisted that they were taken away and cleansed. Now, I will say, whenever you told me in the movie that he did method acting for it, that I actually was the first one to bring up, like, because he's trying to impress a date or whatever, but these shirts... Mm -hmm. I was like, well, he probably wants to change his drawers because those white underwear look so tainted and dark and right. brown. Well, and then when he showed up in the red scuba outfit, you're like, what is he wearing? And he <sighs> then shared in it, well, I don't have any clean clothes. And Hugh Grant's character said, well, you have to do laundry to have clean clothes. And he's like, well, hence the problem. So I went through and found your old scuba diving outfit. <laughs> Which brings up a question that we brought up while watching oh, this. Oh, yeah. What like, a strange looking outfit. It's almost like a diaper. Like it clips that, under between that's, the legs. That's not like what I was thinking. Oh. I was thinking about the uh, the prescription goggles. Oh, yeah. Because we see that in the movie where he loses his glasses and mm-hmm. he has to wear those to the movies. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I was thinking, why wouldn't he wear contacts? So if anybody knows if you are not allowed to wear contacts while you scuba dive, let us know because we, I looked at, I Googled it. I, I did find, too. I couldn't find anything about not being able to wear contacts. Except and, for um, gas permeable gla- or contact lenses because those are glass. Yeah. The thing was, but that's, this is why it's, it, it, it bothers me and it's, and it's crazy because he only wears glasses sometimes in the movie. So he wears it at nighttime when he's watching the movie with Spike. So that leads you to believe during the day he was probably wearing contacts. Because a lot of people will take the contacts off oh. at nighttime and wear and wear glasses, and then whenever he went to the movies, he was wanting to wear his glasses too. So maybe his vision isn't that bad. But if your vision's not that bad, 
Why would you necessarily need prescription goggles? Oh, because I just remember now. So he, whenever Spike's like, there's something wrong with these goggles. And he's like, well, they're prescription. So I could see the fish up close. Yeah. But if your vision's not that bad. Maybe he's. That's my whole point. Like if your vision's not that bad. Maybe this is one of those things you're just not supposed to think about. I did did think about it and I need to know the answer. (laughs) But yeah, um, method acting though, gosh, like I can't imagine how bad he smelled because you hear stuff like that, like Leonardo DiCaprio doing method acting for the Remnant. Remnant, right? That's how it's pronounced. How stinky he was and how in The Last of the Mohicans, Daniel Day-Lewis smelt so bad like the bo from them like i can't imagine being in that close of a quarter with reese because at least with daniel day lewis and leonardo dicaprio they're outside (laughs) there's a wind that can make that smell go away but you're stuck (laughs) in a small area with that smell (laughs) a small little tidbit here that throughout the entire movie Anna never actually referred to Will by his actual name, either in conversation or when addressing him directly. Kind of not important, but kind of interesting. Yeah, because I I never realized that until looking into this movie. And when we were watching it, I noticed that, yeah, she does not call him that, except the only thing she does call him is Flopsy whenever she finds out his Uh, old high school nickname was Floppy. Yeah, because of his hair. Yep. So apparently Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts clashed behind the scenes, which is surprising because they had such great chemistry in the movie and the movie was such a huge hit. Hugh Grant walked around the set complaining that Julia's voice was significantly lower than his. At first, Hugh's voice was higher than usual because he was nervous. Hugh was also critical of Julia's kissing because of her large mouth. He said she had such a large mouth and was aware of a faint echo as he was kissing her. Julia has since forgiven him for those comments and has said she is willing to work with him again. Uh, She does have a big mouth. She does. She's got those big teeth. That's what you think of her. You think of those big, shiny, But she's such a beautiful person, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. I wasn't saying that. No, I, I know, but it's one of those. It is, she does have kind of a larger mouth and I don't know. It just makes you wonder with like surprising of him to be so, so critical of her. Especially if he was nervous. Right. Like I would just be like thankful. It almost sounds like he's trying to put blame on his mistakes onto somebody else. I don't know. Maybe that too. Like maybe her her voice being lower might have emasculated him a little bit. Made him not feel as manly or macho. I I I was trying to notice it in the movie. Like I was trying to focus in on that. And I did not think her voice was really lower than his. I mean, when you, I don't know. I I just didn't, I just didn't see it or hear it. Real is the <laughs> Well, he's really soft-spoken in this movie because he's True. playing a character. Very timid person. Yeah, who's timid and a normal average day Joe. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be soft-spoken. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. The painting of the floating woman and the goat playing the violin called La Marie, that Anna gives to Will, was a copy of Marc Chagall's. This was a copy, of course, so the producers, unable to use it, 
had to promise that they were going to destroy the painting after the filming was finished to avoid the potential selling of a fake. In 1999, when the movie came out, the real Le Marier was worth between $500,000 and $1 million. Richard Curtis chose the painting because, well, he's a fan of Chagall, but also because he thought the image depicted a yearning for something that's lost, much like what happens in part of the movie. Very interesting. I'd never, I never, I feel I've heard his name before, but I can't really say I know any of his paintings, but now I can say I do yeah, <laughs> because of this, because it's an interesting picture. Not very often do you see a goat playing a violin. Yes. I mean, there are some strange paintings out there nowadays. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, Picasso, he's got some. Picasso was a fan of Chagall. I saw that when yeah, I was looking at Yeah, I saw that too. He he had some very interesting pictures. Yeah, both of them. Both of them did cubism and, mm-hmm. and were kind of in the same time and era. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have anything else you want to share that you found? Nope. Nope. I will say I remember you telling me like I didn't think this was a really a good movie, and then as we're watching, like I guess I really didn't watch this movie, but it made me happy that you enjoyed <laughs> this more than you anticipated because this is one of my favorite movies i mean anytime i say there's a movie i can watch on repeat not surprisingly it ends up being a julia roberts movie desert island you know what whenever we first started dating <laughs> yeah that uh mona lisa smile mona, mona lisa, lisa smile. smile yeah i uh you, i don't i've never watched that all the way through either you uh, have it on dvd i'm staring right at it <laughs> i know <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't watch all these movies that you uh, liked growing up. We had different tastes or whatever. Spice but World, yeah, yeah. That being one of them. Well, you are a boy, so I am a boy. You are a girl. That's Avril Lavigne. I know. <laughs> wrong. Wrong group. Wrong person. I just wanted to sing it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm just a boy staring at a girl in love. Isn't that what he says? You says butchered it. that so oh. bad. Oh. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him well, to love her. I'm not going to say I'm just a girl. I was just trying to repeat it in my in my phrasing. You butchered it so I bad. did, but I wasn't going to say I'm just a girl. So I said, I'm just a boy staring at a girl in love with. And that's where I messed up. <laughs> I'll say I messed up. Anyway, like I was saying... Julia Roberts movies, I love them. I can watch them on repeat, and this is one of them. I, the humor, I think it's because of the it's rom com. It's one of my things I like to watch. So, this has been rewind. Let's watch that again. Please look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter There's under this. Mona Lisa smile. I was looking for. It. <laughs> <laughs> yep. As I was saying, please look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under the same name, and follow us for updates on future episodes each new episode will drop every wednesday where we will go into depth on another film we consider to be a classic from the 90s and 2000s also feel free to send us an email about what you thought or if you have any comments on the show we would love to hear from you you can contact us via those social media outlets or email us at rewind. Let's watch that again at yahoo.com. And please be sure to subscribe and download. We appreciate it very much if you do that. And to the ones that have been doing that, thank you so much. I'm just a guy standing in front of a girl asking her to love him. I love you. 
I love you. <laughs>